Great. I'm going to hand over to Ben now. Um, such a joy to be on team together. You know, these last few months, just re-establishing re the eldership team at this church. And I just love this guy. He's a, he's a good guy, isn't he? He is a good guy. So, um, yeah, let's welcome Ben and let's open God's Word together. like an introduction from Ollie, I always get a rip of applause, which is really nice. Um, it's so, I just reflecting then, it's so nice to do kind of business, to know that we're not helpless for the situations that are going around the world, but we can actually pray, you know, we're not just knocked around by the winds and the waves, but we can pray and make a difference as well. I um, just want to take this opportunity, actually, um, to thank you all on behalf of myself and Martin since we were officially elderized in January um, and joined the leadership team. Uh, we both recognize the kind of the weight and the responsibility of the role and are really grateful for your support and encouragement and your prayers. And um, Martin did something last week, which I'm just gonna copy, which is the, uh, the kids here all did a book of prayers for us. And I just wanted to read one out from this. So they say, I pray, this person wrote, that God will help Ben as he grows older. <laughs> that he will persevere and he will live for very long. So amen. Amen to a long life. So if you've been tracking with us either in, on person or on the live stream, we've been going through the book of Joshua, it's the slides behind there. And I just want to just start by recapping before we look at chapter nine today, the the kind of journey we've been on. So Joshua, Joshua 1, right at the start, Joshua is like the new Moses he's betrayed. So he's leading the Israelites across the River Jordan, okay, into the Promised Land. There's a famous battle of Jericho, which Clive outlined, and Clive also illustrated that actually God wants to fight our battles for us the same way he fought it for the Israelites. And then Martin last week covered the sin of Achan and the fact that God is holy and he doesn't want anything to separate us from him. And I wonder what stood out from you so far. It's been a pretty action-packed story, lots of lessons. Is it the holiness of God? Or maybe it's the kind of stumbling of the Israelites. You know, sometimes they're obedient, sometimes they're disobedient to God. I think before we looked at that, this book, for some of us it might be the warfare. We can struggle in our kind of modern mindset to understand that. But as I reflected on that, actually I thought, is the world we live in so different? Certainly the headlines from this week would say maybe not. And although in Eastbourne we're geographically a little bit distanced from that, Actually, it might just be the kind of battles we face on a daily basis that are a struggle. You know, who here can feel overwhelmed with all the uh, things to do in life? Anybody else feel overwhelmed at times? Yes, show of hands. Yeah, most of us have a number of roles. We might be, you know, a parent, a boss, could be a friend or a, or a carer. And there's just so much, so many decisions to make on a daily basis. I wonder, then, how many decisions you make in a day. In fact, what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and just, just ask them that question. How many decisions do you think you make on a daily basis? 
<laughs> okay. Great. Who thinks, again, show of hands, who thinks they make maybe a couple of hundred decisions a day? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, people. Anybody make thousands? A few more. Okay. Well, researchers actually say, or they studied this, they say we make 35,000 decisions a day. So I grew up in the 80s, and the same researchers, the same researchers suggest that today our brains process five times as much information as 30 or 40 years ago. So it's no wonder at times uh, we can feel overwhelmed. And that might play out, for me, that might play out sometimes in the distraction of, you know, email and social media. Or like me, you may have just been in the supermarket aisle and wanted a certain cup, you know, brand of coffee, but you've just been 10 minutes searching through all the types of coffee to find the one you want. So the world around us is distracting. And all this distraction can stop me from by a walk with God and to listen to what he wants to say. I imagine that you've found some of the difficulties with this as well. You see, if it's not just the complexity of the world, though, it's, it's the personal choices, the way we can sometimes self-sabotage what we do. You know, I know at the end of a hard day, why do I go and reach for, you know, comfort of food or maybe a drink? And it just gives me a, a worse night's sleep. Or maybe you've been in a church service like this and you felt really close to God And as you go out, as you're driving home, maybe somebody cuts you up and you just feel that anger come up inside you. You Where does it come from? Or maybe it's just the habitual sin. You say to God, God, I promise I won't do that again. And it happens. It's at times when I struggle that I do get um, encouragement from the Apostle Paul in Romans. He wrote, I decide to do well, but I do not really do it. I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. That was the message translation. And because life is difficult, there's a temptation to perhaps eject from the realities of life. And I, Christy, myself, have said, well, you know, we could just live abroad for a year. Surely it would be easier there. (laughs) Just eject from the realities of life. And the Israelites, before they went into the promised land, they were tempted not to follow God. Can we just settle where we are? We don't want to move into the land of the giants. But they were faithful in following God. And just the same way, we're called to live in the world and to follow God. And even though we go through hardships, we're trusting that our Heavenly Father is with us. It's going to help us to go with the grain and so today we've had, last two weeks had a gift day, and just as we are called to be responsible with the choices we make with money, so I want to be responsible with the decisions I make. But actually, when the world around us is, is a battle, and the flesh can be quite conflicting, how do we make good decisions in our everyday life? So we're going to start to look at Joshua and unpack it a bit more and find out how the Israelites, what lessons we can learn from them. So I'm going to invite Carrie just to come up and read Joshua 9. Before we do, just to set the scene, you'll remember from last week that Martin shared that um, the Israelites initially failed against AI. They had to relearn dependency on on God 
and, and repent and come back to him. And you might think, though, they've learned their lesson. Things are going to be good now. End of chapter 8, they've had a big, almost celebratory Bible study. And Joshua has read the law out to the people. It's fresh in their hearts. They now know where life can be found. And so it's going to be good now. We'll find out. Let's go. Good morning, church. Are we on? Good. There we go. Good morning, church. Bear with me while we uh, read through these interesting names this morning. I know, exactly right. Well done, Ben. Now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Great Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done in Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put on worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and mouldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How then can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God, for we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And our elders and all living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey, go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and mouldy it is. And these wineskins that we filled were new. And see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbours living near them. So the Israelites set out on the third day, came to their cities, Gibeon, Kephira, Beeroth and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, We have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that the wrath will not fall on us for breaking an oath we swore to them. They continued, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community. So the leaders promised, sorry, the leaders promised to them was kept. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, why did you deceive us by saying that you, uh, sorry, by saying, 
we live a long way from you, while actually you live near us. You are now under a curse. You will never cease to serve us as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you and that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites and did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the community and for the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, thanks so much. It saved me having to read out all the uh, names and uh, trip up on some of those. So if we remember the, the, the Hivites, all the ites that, that Carrie read out, God had clearly said there were to be no deals made with them. The reason for that is because they had toxic practices. And if the Israelites were to make a deal with them, they would be ensnared and compromised from what God wanted them to be. But the Gibeonites, rather than coming at full force, okay, they resorted to a ruse, the text says. They used deception and flattery. So they said, your God is amazing. And they referenced um, those historical victories, like in Egypt. They didn't talk about the recent victories because that would have blown their cover. They talked about some of the historical victories. Uh, and they came at them with lies, ultimately deception. And actually, as Christians, we, we know we have a saviour in Jesus, but we also have an enemy in Satan. And he's known as the father of lies. And so... This Gibeonite deception reminds me of how the devil operates. Just like the Gibeonites lied, so much of our personal warfare is the battle for our minds. So often we encounter on a daily basis lies and it's so easy to make agreements with them. And so really our battle is that for our minds. So it's important that we take God's word captive and to think really clearly about what we believe. And in the text, Joshua was suspicious. He says, who are you? Where did you come from? And Joshua then is presented. He has a decision to make. I wonder how you make decisions over important things. In fact, what I want you to do is to turn to the person next to you again and just have a conversation with them. How do you make decisions? Go on, why don't you ask the person next to you? Okay, I'm after a show of hands again. Does anybody make a pros and a cons list? Yeah, really organised. A few people. So that's something you say my wife Christy does. When we went to move house, it's like a pros list and a cons list, which would be the best option to do. Does anybody then make gut decisions? They just kind of got a feeling they're going to have a gut decision. Anybody? Yeah, a few people want to admit to that? Okay. So Joshua, though, makes the decision based on the evidence that's presented for him. We know that it, what he fails to do is he doesn't ask for God's interpretation of the evidence. He just makes a decision. Maybe he was too busy making important leadership decisions. But what we know is that it was the wrong decision. Perhaps you can relate. Have you ever made the wrong decision? In fact, actually, work with me here. Maybe humor me. If you're able to and willing, 
If you've ever made a wrong decision, would you just stand up now? I just want to have a look, look around the room. I, I, I'm up, obviously, I'm standing up, yeah? Okay. <laughs> so the reality is, thank you. We, we're a room full of people who've made wrong or imperfect decisions. Yet, we've got a God who loves us and who's able to bring something creative out of some of the messes that we make. We can't be perfect, but one of our primary tools is to bring our decisions before God to help guide us and to make good decisions. Proverbs um, 3 verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, to lean not on our own understanding, but actually he will make our way straight when we do that. So the, the Bible asks us and teaches us to ask God. Now I remember way back in middle school, I had a, a struggled with maths, I had a maths teacher. And whenever I'd ask him a question, he'd say, Ben, why are you making such a fuss? Stop making such a fuss, it's a strong memory. The good news is, God never does that with us. He never looks at me and goes, oh, you again. You know, he's a, a loving father. In fact, the Apostle Paul, sorry, Apostle James writes, actually, ask God and he will give it generously to us. So in the story, the account we've just read, three days later, Joshua must have realized, I'm an idiot. The people were rightly on his case. He was the leader of their people, his people. And actually, they wanted the destruction of the Gibeonites. But Joshua had made a promise. He'd made a covenant with those people. And he knew that two wrongs don't make a right. So even though it was a mistake, Joshua had the integrity to honour it and to spare the Gibeonites. And so for us, we often can't change the past. But we can realise that God can work with our past and we can do the next right thing. So last week I was at the Join the Church course and the value we looked at was being real and we're a people because of our security in God, we don't have to hide when we get it wrong. So as a church, we want to celebrate with each other when we get it right, but be really quick to forgive and to repent when we do get it wrong. And the story finishes with Joshua making the Gibeonites water carriers and woodcutters in the temple, in the tabernacle, which was where God's presence dwelt. And so the, these people who were enemies of God got grafted into the people of God. They actually were working and serving where the, God's, where the true worship was. So they were really close to the experience of the living God. So as we come into land, what takeaways are there for us today? So the plot against Joshua was successful because they set aside... Um, their advantage, which was knowing God, and reduce themselves to worldly wisdom. The next time you or I are not sure what to do, let's not get too busy for God. Let's not make snap decisions. Yes, let's weigh up the options. Let's think about it. But let's also make sure we pray. We need to make decisions with God. I want to go back to... 
Paul, what he wrote in Romans, when he said, you know, I'm not sure what I need to do and I do the wrong thing. He finishes that verse by saying, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something very different. Again, that's the message translation. We know we battle with a broken world. We know we battle with the, the difficulties of the flesh. And we know we have an enemy and we need to remind ourselves of the truth. However, we are a people united with God. So let's go with the grain in this season and make sure we ask and consult God on the decisions that we make. I'm just going to finish there today. I'm going to invite Clive to come up and to, to pray for us and so he can respond to that message. Thank you.